You're listening to This Vibrant Life, the podcast. I'm here to teach you how to make simple yet powerful changes that will help you in creating a chronic pain-free life. Using sustainable science-backed solutions that are sometimes even unconventional, I give you the tools to take control of your health and find the well-being you've been craving. I'm your host, Gemma Digby, a holistic nutritionist, back to vibrancy coach, and mom of two who has used herself as a guinea pig to overcome chronic long-term pain. Grab your favorite bevy and get ready to start living your most vibrant life right now. Hey, so I'm finally back in Canada. I'm on Canadian soil and although I'm a little jet lagged, overall feeling pretty good other than waking at 4.30 in the morning and kind of not being able to go back to sleep. It seems like the kids have done really well to settle back in. And same thing with Lee, but for me, I'm still not there. I was like this when I was a kid too. I would go to the, over to the UK and it would always take me like two weeks to get back into things. So anyway, we're back and it's been so nice being home. A little overwhelming. We came back to a house that's empty. We had to move everything back in. It wasn't left exactly as we left it. So we had quite a bit of work to do. Uh, It's been a few days and then it's just dawned on me this morning that it's also Christmas in a couple of weeks. So to say I'm overwhelmed is an understatement, but here we are. And that's why today I thought I would start to talk a little bit about how to cope with anxiety during the holidays. And obviously that fits in with people dealing with chronic ailments and overcoming pain because this time of year is huge for flare-ups. Like how many times have you been at a family Christmas and someone calls saying they can't make it because they got in the car and their back went out or during Christmas celebrations, someone's back goes out or someone can't come because they have, you know, chronic migraine or IBS flare-ups, or maybe you yourself, you know, you're, your knee starts hurting and it hasn't hurt all year. You know, we always, our subconscious kind of steps in and says, hey, 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 uh, this is a stressful situation for us. So, and our body lets us know. So I thought today I would talk a little bit about some of the things that I've used in the past. For some of you that know me, I have dealt with anxiety and depression in the past. And I also overcame those holistically because the conventional way just didn't work for me. I tried medications, I tried all different routes, and it didn't work. So now for almost six years, I've been completely free of medical kind of interventions when it comes to anxiety and depression, and now I manage it holistically. So some of the biggest things that I find make the most impact are really simple things. Like I think what sometimes when before I started helping people overcome pain, I was doing general work. So a general practitioner and everyone always thought that it was going to be huge things that you had to change, huge lifestyle changes. And for some people it was, but for the most part, it's really simple things that you can do. So I've kind of compiled a list of the things that I use to help me manage anxiety, and especially throughout the holiday season when it's not easy to just change your whole day or your whole routine. These are really simple things that can you can just add in or slightly change, and it can make a huge impact when it comes to anxiety. I also know that some people were asking, 
you know, about our trip. And for those of you who know, we were, or don't know, we were away for almost five months and it was extremely incredible. It was, it was, it had its highs and lows for sure. We learned a lot about ourselves when you live together 24 seven for that long as a family, you learn a lot about each other. And it's been as, as it's been so nice being home. It's also been nice to have our own space again and back kind of to reality. But overall, it's been nice to look back and know that we had this awesome experience. And I think in the new year, I'm going to ask Lee to come on and have a chat so we can kind of go over why we went, what we experienced and sort of what we're planning to do next. So for those of you who are asking, it'll be an episode in the new year. But for now, let's get back to holiday anxiety, because I know everyone is dealing with it, including myself, who's extremely overwhelmed right now with all the things that have to be done before Christmas. When we were away, like the UK kind of opened up before Canada did last year. So I've definitely noticed that there was like a little bit more, we're we're not used to the last couple of years have been kind of quiet and Christmas has been a little different and the holidays in general. And then now we're kind of like back at it. And I can kind of I've heard from friends and family and everyone's kind of feeling this little extra anxiety that we're back into things again. So I thought this would be a really good kind of episode today because I know for myself, I kind of, you know, when you come home after a vacation and you're, you're sort of like, oh, I'll just do this and this and this, and then I'll get back into my schedule. It's like, hasn't really worked that well. We, Lee and I both were very optimistic and we're like, it'll take a couple of days and then we'll be back into things. The kids will be back at school and everything will be back to normal. And what usually happens in life, it just didn't happen that way. It seemed like everything in our house broke and we've had people here nonstop trying to fix things and having to reorganize things. And uh, it's, yeah, it's been very stressful, but that's life, right? So I thought I would talk about some really, some of those simple things and see if you can add those in and see if they make a difference for you. Because I know for me, someone who dealt with not only anxiety, but depression for years, these are the things that really stand out to helping. And like I said, the extremely simple and and ways of just adding things in. So you know, something that I talk about a lot, and you guys will get really sick of hearing me say this, but sleep, 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 sleep. It's so important. And sleep, like sleep routines, you know, sleep hygiene, it's something that like people aren't really taught. Like we have this kind of weird relationship with it for a lot of people, either like they had trouble with it growing up and like they weren't good sleepers babies. And then we have this whole thing around it, just like with food which I see a lot of as a holistic nutritionist. And the same thing goes for sleep. You see this all the time, like, or people or uh, who have young children and who are not sleeping. And then like, it's this like, like, you know, you ask, oh, how, how are things? And it's all about sleeping. Like women, groups of women get together and talk about how their kids aren't sleeping or how they are sleeping or what they're doing, sleep training, all the things sleep. So it's a big thing. And and it's something simple that you can do to, to really change your mood. The funny thing is about sleep, it's, it depends on how you start your day. And like a daily routine is really important. So other than just waking up and splashing some water on your face, like our bodies are really complex. And one of the best things you can do for your body in the morning is to rev up your digestive system. If our digestive system is working, 
then everything else sort of is a little bit easier. Our digestion helps with everything. So starting your day with some warm lemon water is a really simple way to reinvigorate your body. The lemon juice helps to flush out toxins from the day before and it also aids in digestion by encouraging bile production. So lemon is also like it's a great source of potassium, calcium, magnesium, and those things are all key for digestion. But they're also really good for stress. So it's just a simple way of we really got into this whole like we take our supplements and we, you know, they're really being pushed right now. But even as a, a nutritionist, I always, you know, like the food source better than taking supplements, you know, and, and supplements, not everyone can afford to go out and buy hundreds of dollars worth of supplements each month. So a lemon, really simple way of doing it. Another one is apple cider vinegar, first thing in the morning in your water, and that's not everyone's cup of tea. I had to get used to it. Just a small amount, like start with a teaspoon in your water, in some warm water, is a really great way to get your probiotics in. And the same sort of thing, like to really rev up your digestive system. And like I talked about is we don't always need those expensive supplements, right? And uh, apple cider vinegar has probiotics in it and it's another way of getting your probiotic in your water first thing in the morning and you're not needing to go out and buy always a supplement for that so that's a really simple one to start and kids also right now so many kids are sick they have not been out in the world and now we're going out we're going back to to programs we're going to, out to parties and now we're in homes the kids that haven't been in houses grandparents all those things for so long and all these kids are getting sick a really simple way is adding some apple cider vinegar in their water in the morning and most of the time kids love it too which has been my experience of it and if they don't like apple cider vinegar then tries a little bit of lemon I know my kids always liked sucking on lemons which was we used to give it to them and we thought oh we'll videotape this and this will be funny and they actually ended up loving it so maybe that's just my kids but let's talk about a few other simple things to start to add just to your daily routine so another one is figuring out how much sleep you need at night so it can be anywhere between seven and nine hours, but you know, we're always told, you know, those are averages, make sure you figure out and if you probably already know, like when I say it, you probably know what your kind of sweet spot is. So as best as you can, and I know for moms out there, it isn't always easy. Uh, make sure you try and get that and, and do what you can to stick to it as, as much as possible, which is not always easier in the holiday season. So also making sure that your bedroom is calm and peaceful, you know, changing a light here and there, adding a salt lamp or just, you know, like making sure that you've got some mood lighting in there. That can be a really helpful way to sort of signal to your brain, okay, when I'm in here, it's a calm and peaceful spot and it's where I sleep. So I always say and I always suggest to clients to get rid of the TV, especially if it's something that you find that you fall asleep to, get rid of the TV in the room, keep it to living room spaces. It's a really big and simple thing that you can do. Just don't turn the TV on in your bedroom. The bedroom should just be for sleeping and other fun things. 
So also choosing a color scheme for your room that can be really helpful, like color psychology, like reds, dark colors can be really stimulating. So you want to keep those out of the room and just try and keep it light and soothing. So to you, that might be like light blues or whites or grays, but you'll know obviously what colors kind of like stimulate you and what colors kind of keep you calm. And if you can work it out with your partner, then that's also helpful. Try and come up with a compromise. Going to bed at the same time each night is really good. I'm not very good at this. So I set an alarm in my phone to kind of warn me of like, okay, you wanted to go to bed at this certain time. For me, it's like, this is really embarrassing, like 9.30 or 10 o'clock. That's about as late as I go. That's, I know if I'm not getting that in consistently, you know, it's not always going to work, but consistently... I'm going to get sick, I'm going to get tired, I'm going to get cranky. So that's kind of my time to turn off the Netflix. Another one is, and this is a really big one. This one for clients was huge because I realized how many people bring the cell phone into the bedroom. And if you have to, if you use it as an alarm clock, that's fine. But try and limit your screen time to at least two hours before going to bed. A really simple thing you can do, and I'm going to pull out my, if you have a smartphone and if you have an iPhone, if you pull down the screen on the right hand side, if you pull it down, there's a little sun icon. If you press on that and press it down, It'll give you three little things at the bottom. One says dark mode, one says middle one says night shift, and then the last one says true tone. If you press night shift down, it changes the color of the screen and gets rid of the blue light. And that's really helpful to use in the evenings. Just kind of use it as like around sunset time. So if you can remember. So right now that's like getting earlier and earlier. But I like to do it around like five o'clock. I just try and remember and you get used to it after a few times. And again, you can set an alarm. Just go in there, turn that light off. And it's really helpful. So when you're looking at your screen and if you do need to look at your screen in the evening, you're not getting that blue light and it's going to really help you get a better night's sleep and also fall asleep quicker. Another thing is investing in blue blocker glasses for evening wear. And they're actually pretty fashionable now. You, you don't have to wear these like ugly things. And they have them on Amazon or a, there's a few companies. I can't think of one right now. I actually got a pair from my like provider of my glasses and I use those in the evening when watching TV. And those are really helpful too for making sure that you get a good night's sleep. So I also like, as I've talked about before, sleep, I could talk about sleep forever, but I, I came across some research and it was from Oxford University that suggests that we are sleeping two to three hours less than we were 60 years ago. So ultimately what that means, and when you break that down, that's less time for our bodies to heal and for our mind to settle. So it's really undervalued today. So when you hear me talk about sleep, it's because of this, because sleep, it really does. It's kind of like a domino effect. Like if you're not sleeping well, your digestion's not going to be good. If you're not sleeping well, your mood isn't going to be good. Overall, it's just going to start to take a toll on all parts of your life. So that's why I really say to make sleep a priority. I believe when you put sleep first and when you really make it a priority, like you will naturally start to feel better. And it's quite quick that you can see changes. So another thing that you can do and being a nutritionist, like you really want to focus on having foods that help. 
a really simple recipe that you can make before bed or in the evening, sort of like when you're sitting down and say you're watching Netflix or you're you're working at the computer or whatever that might be. It's like a sleepy time smoothie and I've used it for the kids and I've used it for myself and my husband. It's just one banana, one cup of milk, and you can use almond milk if you can't, if you don't take dairy well, two tablespoons of oats, one teaspoon of raw honey, and half a teaspoon of cinnamon. So then you can just throw it in a blender, and it's a really good sleep-promoting shake before bed or smoothie. It really helps with melatonin and serotonin, which all help promote sleep. So has this episode spiked your interest? Did something resonate? Are you finally ready to overcome your back pain, IBS, migraines, or whatever else ails you? If so, you can now download my free book, Three Simple Tips for Overcoming Chronic Pain Forever. These tips are what I use myself and what my clients use to fully overcome their chronic pain. No fluff, just really simple tips that literally change your situation overnight. It's a game changer. All you have to do is go to the show notes and download it right now. It's that easy. So another important factor that comes in, and I've done a lot of research on sleep, is where you sleep and the temperature of the room. So your body's temperature decreases during sleep and a cool but not cold room will help you settle and maintain sleep throughout the night. So there was a 2012 study found that the temperature of the room where you sleep is one of the most important factors in achieving quality sleep. So don't knock it till you try it. The ideal temperature is somewhere around 18 degrees Celsius, give or take a few degrees, about 65 degrees Fahrenheit. So I know that's hard for some people because like me, I like, like I'll wear like a full snow suit to bed. I want to be warm, but I tried this and, and I tried it for the kids too. And it was one of my daughter, we had a lot of issues with, with sleep. And when we lowered the temperature at night and made sure it wasn't hot, all of a sudden she started sleeping a little bit longer and she started to go into bed a little bit easier. So that along with the next thing I'm about to talk about, which is soaking in a tub before bed. Now we can't all do this all the time. Like, let's be honest, it's, it's not an everyday thing, but it's something if you can do when you're really having issues with sleep or you're having a very high stress day and you've got a lot on your mind in the evening is soaking in a warm bath. It raises your core temperature and then it's lowered when you leave the water and it kind of sends like a signal to your brain that it's time to sleep. So that's a really simple one to help also with a good night's sleep. And I know the sleep hygiene tips are coming. There's quite a few, but when you implement these over time, I really do believe, and I've seen it over and over again in myself and in clients, when you start to implement these, they really do form a restorative night sleep and a really good nightly routine. The next one is digital detox. I've talked about this a few times and I talk about this with my 11 year old son and he cringes at me because he wants to be able to be on all his kind of screens all day, every day uh, with no learning from me. But a digital detox is basically like it's a new toxin and it's not really thought of as wreaking havoc on your well-being but unfortunately for so many of us and this is adults as well as kids it's causing high stress whether we like it or not and that's controversial but take it away and see what happens and I think you'll you'll agree with me 
you know, you're, you're sitting there, everything's going well, and then you get a ping and all of a sudden you, you have news from across the world of something terrible is happening. Like this has never happened to us in all of history. Like we had the nightly news. And if I think back even like, oh my gosh, like 20 years ago, like it was like the six o'clock news and that was it. This is a fairly new thing. Even 10 years ago, like we didn't have all this information on our phone like we did, do now. So taking big breaks from social media and from computers in general can have a huge impact on those stress hormones. Now, not all of us can do that because a lot of us either have businesses through social media or we work on computers. So, you know, using the blue light, like we talked about earlier, the blue light blockers, if you do need to work in the evening, can just help. But if you can, make your bedroom on totally digital detox it. Do it at the, the dinner table, at the breakfast table say, you know, no phones allowed. We're not doing phone time during these times. And this really can help everyone in the family kind of, if everyone's doing it together, you know that there's time to take breaks. You really start to lower the cortisol and keep stress hormones kind of at bay. So try to unplug at the same time each night or at least kind of like turn your notifications off. That's a big one. I still see so many clients who Though I'll be sitting there and it's just pinging and pinging and pinging, like turn that off. Like we are, we should not be exposed to that all day long. As many notifications as you can, turn those off. Something else that I talk about a lot is journaling. But when you're dealing with anxiety or depression, something that can really help is starting a gratitude journal. And it's nothing big. It's really simple. You can even buy a few and I can link it in the show notes. One that I use for myself and for the kids is called the five minute journal. And it doesn't have to be a consistent thing, but it's something you can bring in each night and it can be really helpful for everyone. I've seen a big difference in the kids' moods when we started doing the gratitude journal and for myself. So before bed, you basically just have a prompt and it just says three amazing things that happened that day. And then you write down three three things that happened in your day or how could I have made today even better? So sometimes that's going to be really hard to write down and it's going to be really hard for you if you had a really crap day to kind of hone in on what those things might be. But it can be as simple as the sun was shining today, or especially like in the winter, or, you know, I, I got to have a cuddle with my kid on the couch, or my husband brought me a coffee, or someone at work, you know, we had a really good conversation. It can be really simple things. It doesn't have to be big over the top. So because the reason is, is like journaling and especially like gratitude journaling has been demonstrated over and over again throughout studies to reduce cortisol and help people overcome anxiety as a part of a whole holistic kind of plan. So it's been shown to reduce the frequency of visits to the doctor and actually reduce chronic pain and illness and even inflammation. So that can be like 15 minutes a day of journaling and gratitude journaling in particular for just four days in a row, one time can lead to benefits lasting up to eight months. So like I said, if you even just bring this in a couple of weeks when you really need it or when you know that a stressful event is coming up or something stressful is going on in your life, it's so beneficial and it has numerous health benefits. And like I always say, 
and it can help with sleep. (laughs) So this is a really simple one and it's great because you can do it with kids too. And it's just really nice at the end of the day to, you know, you know, sit down and especially this time of year is to really focus on the things that are going well, because so much of what we do now is like focusing on what we need to do more of or what we need to change or it really allows us to focus on what is going right in our world or what we can really be happy about. So obviously I'm going to have to talk about food and how that can sort of come up a lot this time of year and how it can even cause anxiety, but also the importance of eating the right foods to help balance out all the stuff that we eat over the holidays out of our normal routine. So first of all, although I'm a nutritionist, I'm not big on telling people to give up whole food groups. In my experience, it doesn't work well. It never goes well. So like if you're out, you're you're at work events or you're at family events, don't restrict your eating to a degree where you're telling yourself, I'm not going to eat that later. I've eaten too much of that. Like really take the time to say, you know, this is a holiday, like enjoy yourself, eat the damn cookie. Don't worry about what or who is saying what about the different foods. Like if you're going to enjoy it, then enjoy it and then just move along. A really good thing you can do is make sure that for the most part, you're taking care of all parts, like your sleep, your movement, all these things apply. Like food isn't going to make or break your anxiety, your mood, or anything like that. It's it's all about all of these things working together and none of them have to be perfect. That's why we work with these things all together. And when I make a plan for someone, it's never sticking to it 100%. It's always just fitting in things where you can. So ultimately though, the food that you eat does affect our mood. More and more studies show that like a depressed brain, an anxious brain is an inflamed brain. And where a lot of that inflammation can come from is things like stress of what's going on in our environment, but it's also the food that we intake. So our brain ultimately is made out of fat and two types of fat that are really important. And these two types of fats we don't make, the human body doesn't make, we have to get it from our food. And that's omega-3 and omega-6. So Now, when you look back in time, our omega-3 to omega-6 fats were always on a a ratio of one to one. But now in our modern times, it's more of a ratio of 17 to one, meaning 17 omega-6 and omega-3, which is really not what we want. We really want those to be more in balance and the omega-3s being more important for a positive mood. So when we have that omega-6, that is really high, that's going to make inflammation skyrocket and therefore cause inflammation in the body and in the brain. What we really want to focus on is making sure that we're balancing that out. So focusing on foods that are full of omega-3s can be a really helpful way over the holidays to help with that better mood. So, you know, eating pasture-raised eggs, grass-fed dairy, grass-fed butter, Brussels sprouts, chia seeds, walnuts, salmon, like fish in general, those are all really high in omega-3s. And once again, like just trying to fit those in where you can and really making sure that you're not overdoing just the the high omega-6 foods, like all those like canola oils and seed oils and fried foods, which are all high in omega-6s. 
something that I teach people and that I needed to learn was I was never really connected with my food. I never realized for years and years, especially like growing up, that food influenced the way I, that I felt and especially with my mental health. So I think that something that you can really take the time to kind of use over the holidays too is sort of like sitting and, you know, not restricting yourself, not like, like I talked about earlier, but really sitting there and maybe like making a little bit of a mood food journal because, and, and asking yourself like, you know, when I have one cup of coffee, I feel fine. But when I have six, it doesn't feel great. I feel jittery. Like we all know that, right? We know that, but we don't always make the connection between just like regular day, everyday food. So, you know, like really taking the time to say, you know, when, oh, when I go without eating and I skip lunch, I'm a nightmare in the afternoon and my anxiety really revs up. So, you know, really paying attention and making, keeping a mood journal that's connected to your food can be really important and it can really help or hinder your mental health when you start like realizing how your food is affecting your anxiety and your mood in general. Um, something that I always do and that we do as a family is we always make sure first thing in the morning that we eat a high protein uh, breakfast. So that means that we not only have protein, but I also include fat and carbohydrates. So we're not scared of fruit and we're not scared of bread in this house. But we just make sure that we balance it out. So like, you know, making sure that you add the butter to the bread and that you're having some almond butter on that toast. And, you know, like I always make like a chia jam. Now I'm like telling you my whole breakfast. We always like have something for the kids. Like we'll have like some meat, like some, maybe that sausage or some bacon, grass fed bacon. So something that's like a really high protein in the morning and has the fat and the carbohydrates can really help to balance your mood first thing in the morning. And we all know that feeling of when you wake up and you skip breakfast or you have like a sugary like donut or like it just like starts the day off wrong and it can really hinder the anxiety or your mood in general and cause this spiral. So starting off the day is such a big thing you can do and it's so simple. Like for some people that means just like throwing like a high protein smoothie. And if you don't like smoothies this time of year, like add a little bit of ginger or cinnamon because what that does is then it warms it up and it makes it not as cold and not so hard on your digestion in the winter months when you're going out in the cold. So those are some really key things. And when I was making changes to my lifestyle to better my mental health, um, I didn't realize that so many of these things I was doing wrong or that I wasn't including these simple things and that they could make such a huge impact. So I really hope that these have been helpful for you and that you can implement some of these and it can really help with that holiday anxiety. So last but not least, it's a little bonus and something that can be quite controversial, but a lot of people who suffer with anxiety, well, there are certain personality type. And I know this because I have this personality type and I did for years and it's a work in progress. And as for many people that I work with, it comes up a lot. So trying to keep everyone else happy around you and remember like the holidays really bring this up. So like number one tip is stop trying to please everyone because it's just going to cause more anxiety and more issues. And therefore, as, as I know, it always leads to illness or pain. So, you know, really focus on saying no 
trying to keep other people satisfied and happy all the time, it's a big problem for many and we can't do it. You know, if you were talking to your best friend and they were telling you all the issues you had and, you know, you would turn around and be like, you know, take a break, take a step back, you know, go and take some time for yourself. But funny enough, we never do that for ourselves. So especially over the holidays, like it's people pleasing is a never ending tasks. And ultimately what happens is we get these dopamine hits from being good and doing good. So it's a hard habit to break. So it's kind of addicting. So really practice it. You know, if it's a work event and you're tired and you know that, you know, you've got a busy weekend with your family, say no, you know, nothing's going to change. Practice it. Just practice one thing at a time because it's, it can really change things for you. Like we're human ultimately, and we tend to shove down the frustration we feel about giving away our time and our energy, and then we cave in, but just for someone else's preferences. So make sure, you know, that all that frustration and anger then doesn't bubble up and manifest into pain or cause more anxiety. I think there was a quote by Glennon Doyle, and she says it to one of her kids, and it's, your job throughout your entire life is to disappoint as many people as it takes to avoid disappointing yourself. So I think I'll end there with that. And don't worry, it is the holiday season. Things will get better. And, you know, don't let your anxiety get the better of you. Go and enjoy it and make sure you're having fun. And I hope that some of these little tips and tricks help you as they have with me. And yeah, let me know what works for you. And I'll see you next time. Thank you so much for tuning in to This Vibrant Life, the podcast. A new episode will air at the same time next week. Just hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. And until next time, stay vibrant.